Welcome to the latest episode of Women's Hockey Digest. I'm your host Stephen Edwards and today I'm delighted to be joined by Katie Fitzgerald from the Metropolitan Riveters and Kira Goen from the Connecticut Whale. First up is Katie Fitzgerald. Delighted to welcome to the podcast Katie Fitzgerald from the Metropolitan Riveters. Katie, thanks so much for joining me. How's it going? Good, thank you for having me. It's excellent to have you on. We're just getting towards the end of another week, it seems, and the NWHL action is literally just around the corner, and I can't wait, and I know you can't wait to get going again. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) But before we get to that and talk some Riveters hockey, let's try and get to know you a little bit better, and I'd like to start with a question that came in on Twitter, and that's from Luke Koenig, who asks, have you always wanted to be a goalie? If not, what position did you play when you first started playing hockey? Um, I started at forward. I loved, you know, goal scoring, being part of the offense. Every other sport I played, I was always part of kind of a more offensive side of it. Um, so yeah, I played forward and I would kind of go back and forth, you know, when you're that young, like you, like you eights, you tens, you have two or three goalies on the team and you all kind of take turns, you know, playing in goal and whoever's not in goal skates out and plays forward. Um, so I did that until probably about sixth grade, I think. I made the decision to solely play goalie. What was it about the goalie position that appealed to you so much? Originally, I think I loved all of the equipment, obviously. <laughs> you know, it's so much more fun than, you know, the usual hockey gear that everyone kind of gets. So you feel a little bit special. When you were when we were all super young, everyone kind of got a turn. It got passed around the locker room, a gr- like a set of community pads and stuff like that. And I loved goalie skates. I thought they were so cool. They looked so much like Converse high tops, and I was obsessed with those growing up. So that was also kind of a swing factor for me as well. <laughs> Did you have any favorite goalies you used to like to watch? I I used to love Marty Brodeur, which is, it's just funny to see, you know, where everything ended up. Uh, but yeah, I loved Marty Brodeur. I loved Patrick Waugh. Um, I'm, I'm a Scott Darling fan. I loved watching Carey Price play as well. Um, but yeah, especially as you get older, I feel like there's so many goalies that, like when you watch, like as like when I watch now as I'm older, you kind of watch technique and things like that a lot more than just kind of watching like the think the game as a whole. Absolutely. Let's talk about um, your hockey career a little bit more. So you played college hockey at St. Cloud State University. Was that your first choice or was there any other options available to you? Um, I think that was definitely my first choice. I know they were the first that I really corresponded with back and forth and the first that I visited and kind of things became real. Um, there were a couple of other options that just didn't give me the same feeling that didn't have the same kind of just click, I would say, where I just kind of knew I didn't, that I didn't need to talk to anyone else that I, you know, when you go and visit everyone, you'll hear everyone tell you that you they just felt the click. They just felt it. And it's so hard to explain, but you just kind of feel like, you're a piece of a puzzle and you just can fit there well and you're going to be happy there and you just know it being around the girls and on campus and things like that. But yeah, I think St. Cloud was uh, my, my choice that I, it was never a question in my mind. 
I remember when I got my offer my junior year, usually people wait, you know, a couple months, kind of explore other options and then make their decision. I hung up the phone and I was like, can we call them back tomorrow? Is that like too late to call them back? Is that going to be rude if we don't call back tonight? Um, So I knew right from the get go that that was where I wanted to be. And what do you remember most about your time there? Um, I think we had some tough years, but I think, um, you know, it's going to happen. It's inevitable. And I think the only thing you can do with those kinds of seasons is to grow through them. And I think it's really awesome the direction the program is moving. And I'm really proud that I got to be a part of it. And, you know, I think all of us alumni have a lot of pride in that program and the WCHA as a whole. So it's really cool to see, you know, a lot more leveling of the playing field and, you know, high com- compete level throughout the conference. Before we talk about the Riveters, let's let's move over to some more Twitter questions that came in. Steph asks, how did yeah. you manage to play without contacts? Now that you have them, are you officially <laughs> Wonder Woman of the Crease? I, my eyes aren't that bad, um, but I would have glasses for driving at night or if I had class in like a lecture hall, I would have them. Um, but then this season I decided to try them out and Harrison Brown kind of convinced me. He's like, it'll be worth it. I promise. Just try them. And it is, it's amazing. Everything kind of goes from like regular to HD. So uh, it's really cool. I, I like to think I was still, I still did pretty well without them, but I am a fan. I do feel a lot more confident with them now. I, th- I think for me, I, I wear glasses. I've kind of leaned away from going contacts, but I think I'm finally getting to a point now where I want to wear contacts and I'll give them a go. Yeah, they take a while to get used to, but once you find the right ones, they work wonders. <laughs> I'll definitely bear that in mind. Thanks, Steph, for that one. Let's move over <laughs> to Anne Plucho. He says, you're an incredible woman and my favorite hockey player ever. Thank you for always giving so much to the team and inspiring those around you. My question is, what would you like to say to aspiring female hockey players or women in sports in general? I would say keep moving forward. There's so much left to be done. We've all come so far, and it's so cool to see across various leagues, whether it's at the professional level, the NCAA level, level, or even you know youth level. Things have come so far. It's so cool to see you know, even the club that I grew up playing at, uh, Chicago Mission, it's so cool to see, you know, how different it is for the girls growing up there and how just kind of those resources are more available to them and just the growth of women's hockey, especially, which I have a front row seat to see, has been incredible. And I'd say just keep moving and stay hungry and stay focused. Moving over to the next question from Eliza, who says, from your point of view as a goalie, how much of hockey really is luck and random bounces and stuff, and how much is skill? People always have a different answer. I think you have to have your foundation, and from there you kind of enter a space in games where you just shut your brain off and you don't think and you go off of instinct. Mm. So I think in practice it's a lot about building that foundation over the years, and then once you get into games, you kind of let your instincts take over. And a lot of games is bounces and it's a game of inches. So, you know, sometimes it'll bounce your way, sometimes it won't. And it's all kind of about that almost primal instinct and that reaction that you have. And it just builds from that foundation that you've built throughout the years. So in other words, do you, do you kind of sometimes in certain scenarios kind of play the percentages as it were? 
Yeah, pro- I think so. You just you just kind of go with your gut. It's hard to explain. Yeah. A lot of times my mind goes completely blank. And you just, I don't know, you don't think, you just do. Um, one last question from Shannon who says, I love hearing the commentators talk about women the same as they do about men, such as using her big, strong body. Do you think the NWHL will help add dimension to what the world perceives as equality attributes? I do. I think our all of our commentators throughout the league are so good at, you know, keeping that balance. You know, there's always the example of people referring to Amanda Kessel as, oh, her brother Phil Kessel, it always comes up, mm-hmm. um, things like that. And they kind of flip the script on it and said, oh, like, this is, uh, you, may, you may know her brother, like you may not, who knows. Uh, so I think that's always really fun. But yes, I think they do a great job of, you know, keeping that gender kind of equality. Mm-hmm. You know, we have on our team, we have some big, strong girls, but we also have some smaller players. And they're so good at, like, in this, at the same time, the NHL does the same thing. Patrick Kane is a bit on the smaller side for the men's game. And they'll talk about our smaller players like Harrison Brown, Erica Lawler, the same way that they speak of him. Kind of like they are a bit smaller, but they use their speed, and they're so quick and so good, and they use whatever they can. So I think that there's a really good equality across the playing field that's being laid down by the commentators in our league. So let's talk Riveters. And we do have one other question about the Riveters. So Matt Smither asks, how do you see backstopping this year's team as opposed to last year's Riv squad? I think last year it was a lot of kind of building and getting to know each other because we had so many new faces and so many of us were new to the league that I think last year we spent a lot of time trying to find our identity. And I think that was kind of our thing last year. Whereas this year we have a lot of returners and only a handful of new faces. So I think this year has been a bit more, I think we're a lot more confident in our game and in each other. And we know what to expect from each other and we have high expectations for each other. So I think this year has just been a bit more familiar, if that makes sense. Um, But things have been going obviously really well for us. So um, it's been awesome. And just seeing, kind of our confidence level increase from last year to this year has been really cool to see. Matt also says, are there any particular rituals you have before a game? Yes, before games. Um, I just I listen to music, whatever I may be in the mood for, whether it's country or alternative or hip-hop, whatever. It varies dramatically. Um, but whatever I'm in the mood for, I usually just kind of listen to that, and roll out, stretch out, things like that, do my hand-eye drills. Um, but I always I always call my dad before every game, uh, one hour before puck drop, I call him, uh, get a little pep talk. I've done that since, I think, my sophomore year of college it started. Um, and that was just kind of our thing. Uh, so it's cool. Just, he just gives me little pointers, whether it's, you know, keep your glove up. He always tells me to keep my feet moving, things like that, little reminders that are just kind of comforting. And he always reminds me to have fun and to just enjoy it. And then it'll give me a little update on how life's going back in displays. <laughs> so it's it's good to kind of remain grounded and it's just kind of comforting to know that they're still there and they're always, like, they're always watching and things like that. Absolutely. And just to talk from a personal perspective at the moment, I mean, you've got off to a tremendous start this season, 943 save percentage, 1.40 goals against average. 
how pleased are you with your start personally? Um, I'm really happy. I think it's gone well. I think our team has just kind of taken it game by game. You know, everyone keeps talking about the win streak, and I, I honestly keep forgetting because we <laughs> are so kind of short memory that we just take it game by game. And, yes, I remember that we won our previous game, but our overall record is kind of washes away when you're in the moment and getting ready for the next game and just kind of focusing on that. Um, but it, it's been awesome and it's been really fun um, to kind of have so much success so early. I think it's really built our confidence moving into this last push going into Christmas, especially. Of course, Christmas is just around the corner. But before we get to that, you've got a, a game against the Buttes this weekend. What are your thoughts on that game going into it? I think that'll be a good one. Uh, it's always a hard-fought game against Buffalo, whether it's last year or this year. It's such a good kind of rivalry, I would say. it's Every team in this league is a rivalry because there's only four of us, so tensions run really high. Um, but I think it'll be really good. I think you know they're a good, talented, hard-working group. I think if we can kind of stick to our game plan and just not overthink things and just, I don't know, enjoy it, have fun, uh, hopefully things will connect and we can just kind of work through whatever bumps may arise. So that's one half of the big weekend, the Riveters against the Buttes, and obviously we're all looking forward to that. But I'd just like to say thank you to Katie for yourself joining me today. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and I wish you and the team all the best for this season. Yes, thank you for having me. Great stuff from Katie. Now time for Kira Goen. Delighted to welcome to the podcast Kira Going from the Connecticut Whale. Kira, thanks so much for joining me. How's it going? I'm doing very well. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Let's try and get to know you a bit better. And I have to say, and I'm sure I'm correct on this, we've not had this level of questions come in for a guest on the show yet. Really? That's that's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it just means that you're going to be put on the spot a lot and I'm going to have to rattle through these, so it could get really interesting. That's that's good. I'm I'm ready for it. <laughs> right, let's go. Matt Falkenbury asks: Growing up in Westchester County, where did you first get a chance to play hockey, and how did you first learn about the sport? So um, I actually first learned about the sport because my brother, my older brother, played public high school hockey um, in the area. So I was just a little rink rat running around to his <laughs> games. Um, got interested in it that way. I actually grew up playing boys hockey until I was about um, 11 or 12 and then made the switch to girls hockey. And it was actually the same year that I made the switch to playing goalie too. So everything that happened at once. <laughs> <laughs> what made you decide to switch to playing goalie? Um, well, personally, I'm very competitive and I didn't think that I was very good skating out. Um, so I wanted to try something that I thought I might be a little bit better at. Um, but also, I mean, it's, it's the same way anybody has really ever tried goalie for the first time. We had a goalie who was injured, people were volunteering to play, I suited up, and uh, I never looked back. I don't think you've ever looked back. I think it's one of those things is you, you make a choice to do that and that's what you want, that's what you end up doing. Yeah, or there's, there's the opposite too. Some people do that and they say, uh-uh, never again. <laughs> but luckily for me, I was one way, one way, one way street. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any favorite goalies you, you liked to watch when you were growing up? I did. So because I grew up in Westchester, um, I've been a big New York Rangers fan my whole life. Um, and so my dad and I like to watch Mike Richter a lot. 
Um, both on, on and off the ice, he was just a great person. He had a really good presence, um, just as a professional athlete. So he was somebody that I was always able to look up to. I've been very fortunate enough to see Mike Richter play live. I saw the Rangers in 1997, showing my age a little bit by saying that, but, um, yeah, I've actually seen him play a play live on a on that particular team, and yeah, tremendous netminder, one of those guys you can associate with New York Rangers hockey during that time period. Exactly. So let's get back to you. We're not here to talk about Mike Richter. Um, let's talk about your college hockey <laughs> career. What were some of your favorite memories from that time? Um, I mean, college. My my the first thing that sticks out to me has to be when we beat um, number one nationally ranked Sydney Plattsburgh. They were and they kind of are still just like the powerhouse of Division Three hockey. Um, a lot of talented girls. They're really they're a very classy team to play against. So it almost made it um, that much more difficult to play against them. Um, but I mean, it was it was a tough game. We hadn't beat them in in my time at Utica, um, and we beat them on home ice um, and broke I think over a, over a year game win streak for them. So that was a pretty big moment for me. Staying on the on the subject of college hockey, Andy Asensio asks, working alongside Sidney Rossman, who's coming straight from D1, how would you evaluate the level of play and depth you see in the NESCAC? Um, well, it, yeah, so I work work with Sydney in the NESCAC. It's it's um, it's interesting, like I, interesting in a good way. I love working with Sydney with um, our goalies because she has a lot of different. Um, pointers to give them and, and stuff that she's taken from playing division one. And obviously I played a more familiar level for uh, NESCAC at D three, but I mean, NESCAC is, is a quick league. It's, it's quick hockey. The girls are really talented. It's really smart hockey. Um, everything's really calculated. So it's, it's a lot of fun to be able to sort of combine our brains and, and work with the three goalies that we have um, in this league. Just staying on that kind of comparison just for a second, what's, is the gap between those particular divisions? Um, I mean, for me personally, playing uh, Division Three and then jumping, even in even in the free agent camp that I did in the spring, um, again, it's it's just that speed aspect, and it's not necessarily the speed for individual players or like their skating speed. It's it's the small things like their release time and um, smart players will just hold the puck for for that half a second longer to sort of. Um, so I don't kind of prolong that game of chicken that every shooter and every goalie yeah. goes through. Um, so that was, that was probably like the biggest adjustment for me. But I mean, it, it makes it that much more fun to play. Like, you know, their shots are going to go where, where you're expecting them to go because they have the skill level to do that. Um, so it's just about taking that next step as me as a, for me as a player and, and getting that much quicker and that much stronger. Do you thrive as a goalie on that one-on-one battle when a, an opposing forward comes in on their own and it's literally just you against them? Um, I mean, it's definitely an adrenaline rush. It's it's <laughs> a fun time. It's again, it goes back to that mind game of of player versus or, or shooter versus goalie, and um, it's really interesting just to see what different players will do and and how they approach different things. Sometimes you know a kid's going to shoot because that's what they've been doing all game, and that's that's where they're more dangerous. Um, sometimes they'll hold the puck and they'll, and they'll play so far into your crease on a one on oh that, you know, you're forced to make the first move. Um, so it's, it's actually a really fun, really fun mind game. Let's talk about your gear for a moment. I mean, I've just spoken a bit earlier in the podcast to Katie Fitzgerald and one of our listeners, Jose Cuava, says, goalies love their gear. How do the designs on your mask and pads, past and present, represent who you are? Well, 
I love that question. <laughs> Every goalie loves that question because, again, we love our gear and we love yep. to make it, um, you know, you, you need to us as players, which many athletes in, in almost every other sport don't get the opportunity to do. My first painted mask was actually my Utica mask, and it's the one that I still wear with the whale. Um, it, it fits the best, so that's why I wear it now. But um, that mask was inspired by a couple things. Each side of the mask has um, something related to Utica College. One side has um, our moose and the other side has the phrase fear the moose, which actually originated from our football team. Um, and since I had a few friends on that team, I wanted to sort of spread it to, uh, other sports at Utica. So I put fear the moose on, on the right side of my mask. Um, along the forehead was it's subtle. So you can't always see it, um, in games and that's intentional, but if you look closely enough, there's the New York city skyline. Nice. And obviously that's just because it's, it's close to home and, and it's where I grew up and it's, it's familiar for me. Um, considering there's very little hockey there. So to be able to sort of take that bit of New York with me when I go play um, in the different areas that I've played, uh, that's why I have that there. And then um, my back plate, which is the back part of my helmet, it's my favorite part. It's got um, a sunset and in the sunset it says, I'll walk a mile in your shoes if you show me how, alongside each of the quotes. Um, one side is the uh, autism puzzle piece and the other side is a mental health awareness ribbon. Um, and that's just sort of, and to go with the quote too, it's just so, to go, um, along the lines of, you know, you never know what somebody's going to be going through, whether it's a visible, um, mental ailment, like something like autism, or if it's something that they're struggling with personally. So, um, I just like to sort of, I like to wear that, um, and remember that and acknowledge that every time I step on the ice that, you know, some people are battling different things every single day and, and you never know what somebody might be going through. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, I think again, it just kind of hits home, you know, what, for me, what wonderful role models yourself and the rest of the players in the NWHL actually are. It's an honor. It definitely is. <laughs> Talking about the NWHL, we still got more questions, Kira. So I hope you're prepared. Um, oh no, I'm I'm ready. I love it. <laughs> Kate asks, "How is it playing for the whale while also coaching?" It's busy. <laughs> I, I definitely. Um, I've always I've always wished that there were more hours in the day, but now I now it's for real. <laughs> But um, I love it. Obviously, hockey is my passion. It's what I wanted to do um, with my life in one regard or another. Um, so to be able to sort of wake up every day and, and step on the ice with the girls that I have here at Wesleyan um, and, and see them and help them in the ways that I was helping college. And then just, you know, three o'clock, four o'clock hits. And I'm able to hop in my car and head down to, to practice with the whale where I'm still able to do like the things that I love to do and the things that make me passionate. Um, and they actually go hand in hand. I, I'm able to take things from coaching and bring it to the whale and I'm able to take things from the whale and bring it back to my girls at Wesleyan. So it's definitely a, a wonderful give and take. And what everyone doesn't know is that I tend to pester Kira trying to get various <laughs> interviews sorted out. I'll take this opportunity to thank Kira every week for all of her help to try and get this podcast up and running. Well, likewise, thanks to you because you're doing a wonderful job and we wouldn't have this without you. So we all appreciate it. We all love to... <laughs> To chime in and, and be heard <laughs> <laughs> absolutely there's always some interesting stories and of course it's always helped by some really in- interesting questions matt smither says who's got the best and worst nicknames in the locker room Ooh, best and worst nicknames that's got to be difficult um i don't know about a worst nickname i mean i don't have a nickname at all so i would consider that the worst it's hard <laughs> to sort of spin something off of kira <laughs> um but i think probably my favorite nickname for somebody on the team it's actually Sydney Rossman. They call her Squid. Um, and and it's at first glance, it's a big question mark as to why. But 
the reasoning behind it, I guess, came from Quinnipiac, um, and obviously our our handful of girls who played with her there, um, because Squid was the I guess the the goalie in Rocket Power. Remember that TV yes. show Rocket Power on Nickelodeon? <laughs> um, Squid was the one that always played goalie. So she became Squid, and then that that morphed into Squidrow and any sort of variation. <laughs> I am sure you're the second player to mention to me about that TV show. I'm sure Sophia Agostinelli mentioned that TV show to me when she was on the podcast. I might have to go back and double check on that one. It's a good show. <laughs> this is it. Yeah, I just it's brought back some from memories even for me. Um, next thing from Matt, he says, "Do you feel that with the teammates you have, jump starting the rush is easier for you than in college, or does the speed make it more difficult?" Um, I mean, I, I, my first instinct is to say both. Obviously, um, jump-starting the rush at this level, you have to be a little more cautious. Um, while simultaneously, like you have to be a little more confident, too. Um, I did what I could when I played D3, but, again, it's it was a totally different um, game in that regard. Like, in Division Three, I would generally play the puck out to somebody, some of my defensemen who would be swinging to support me. Um, so it sort of limited the, the, not opportunities, but the times where I, I had to play the puck. Where at this level, it's the opposite. You know, they want to sort of turn up ice and transition as quickly as possible. So it's more on me to make that pass, um, which, I mean, I love. I love being able to do that. But at the same time, it goes down to being a little more cautious. I'm not as well-versed um, with this speed in this game. But my defense are phenomenally supportive, and, and they communicate really, really well, um, both on the ice and games and in practices and, and with you know, swinging for support and stuff like that. So it's a little bit of both. Staying on the whale, Dan Rice asks, who was the hardest shot on the team? Again, that's, I mean, that's a loaded question. No pun intended, but <laughs> it, it's different. You know, you have players that come in that, you know, are going to take a hard shot from, from far out near the blue line. Um, and then you have kids that are going to come in like Kelly Babstock who's going to come in and, and no, no matter where she is on the ice, she'll get that shot mm. off quickly um, and with a lot of force behind it. So it's it's totally different. Um, you have kids that can pick corners, and you have kids that can just put so much behind the puck that you know you have no chance. Like like um, Juice or or Juana, she has such a hard shot, and it's it's so calculated and it's so precise that um, no matter where she takes it on the ice, even if it is from outside the blue line, it's it's going to be where she wants it to be. So is that shot harder than somebody with a quick release? Um, it depends. I mean, it obviously depends um, on the situation if they get enough behind it, but the shots at the quick release, um, I think there's a little less you can do on, about it. Like a hard shot, just as it is, you can sort of, you can usually see a wind up or, or you can sort of prepare yourself for um, the intensity that's going to be behind the shot. Um, but a quicker release is, it's hard to adjust to just because it could be a soccer shot, quick release, or it could be, could have a lot behind it. Um, I mean, everybody's seen Kelly Babstock's shootout winner. She was, probably a foot off the crease and she was able to get that off and get that you know on the, the top side of the net so it's all it just all depends another question brandon mclaughlin asks is anyone in the whale afraid of spiders or is anyone not i actually don't know if i know the answer to that i don't i mean i know the girls and i are all very close and and i know some other phobias but i don't know if if spiders is necessarily one of them I'll get back to you guys on that one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to perhaps find out because I'll be heading over to the States at some point to do some interviews. So we'll find that one out. Moving away from the whale now, just some general hockey questions that have come in. Um, Sahar under 12B Red Ponies asked, favorite arena you've played in and why? I mean, I'm biased on this one. I'm going to have to say the Utica Memorial odd. Um, 
Bay because that's, I mean, it's the Utica Odd. It's where I played for four years. But also for anybody that's that's had the chance to get to that rink or even see photos or videos of it, it's just, it's beautiful um, inside and out. They've put a lot of work into it since um, the AHL team, the Utica Comets, uh, started playing there about five years ago. So, I mean, it's there's been renovations happening for years and, and the staff there and everybody's just amazing to be around and they put their heart and soul into the building. So it's not only beautiful um, and, and good ice to play on, but it's it's close to home for me. Next one from Trans Prince. I think I'm going to know the answer to this one. He said, if you had the chance to play in the NHL, what team would you play for and what jersey number would you wear? I'd probably want to play in the Rangers again just because hometown pride. I've been following them my whole life before I even knew uh, all the rules of hockey probably. But I don't know if I'd necessarily say that I'd be wearing 35. Only not, I mean, I used to, but ever since again, going to Utica, um, 31's kind of hit home for me. I was lucky enough to get it when I, when I signed with the whale. Um, and I've never really been able to identify much with a number just from going from forward to goalie and, and changing teams. But, um, 31 has sort of resonated with me personally and, and there's no reason for that um, other than wearing it for a long time. So I'd probably say 31. Final question. You've actually got to this point. Lord Stanley asks, and this is a, quite a tough one because I had to think about this myself actually, if you could own any piece of hockey history memorabilia from the Hockey Hall of Fame, what would it be? Hmm. I'm not quite sure actually. I might say, and again, this is just because it's, it's personal for me my first goalie helmet um it was just a stock helmet but it was it had um patrick was painted um mountainscape uh i don't know if that's in the hockey hall of fame or if it's just a piece of history for me but i'd definitely probably say if i could get my hands on that original uh painting of a mask it would probably be that see i'm a huge colorado avalanche fan so that's that's a great answer for, for me but kira i just want to thank you so much for joining me you've answered every question that anyone's thrown at you um and i just want to wish yourself and the team all the best for this season thank you very much we enjoy uh you having us on i'm speaking for a lot of people there but we definitely appreciate what you're doing so thank you very much excellent stuff from kira and that just about wraps up tonight's episode i'd like to thank katie and kira for joining me on women's hockey digest every week i'll be joined by players from the nwhl to discuss hockey and much more but for now i've been your host Stephen edwards you can find me on twitter at TalkSportStephen. You can find the podcast at WH Digest. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app. All the details will be in the episode notes. But until next time, it's a good night from me.